Is this time different? Well, Betterage's Law has something to say about that. But one thing that is definitely not different is that today is Wednesday, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. Are you ready to get that stack on? This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. As usual, I am Chris. And today is Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, and that means it is DCA Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about, but as usual, most of the buzz out there is around Bitcoin's Bitcoin's price action and the things that people think is affecting the price of Bitcoin this week. But before we get into all of that, let's take a really quick look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 795,376. And alluding to the price news, one Bitcoin will currently cost you 30,170 US dollars, or one filthy US dollar will only purchase you 3,315 sats per dollar. And that is up substantially from the last several weeks. Actually, that's as expensive as we've seen Bitcoin in over a year in US dollar terms. Uh, But I digress. We are currently 44,624 blocks from the halving, and regardless of what you think might be influencing the price, when it comes to uh, Bitcoin's four-year cycles, it is all about that halving. As you know, the miner award, the new Bitcoin issued to miners for discovering and minting the next block of Bitcoin, is cut in half every 210,000 blocks. That works out to about every four years. It's programmatically every 840,000 blocks. And we are coming up on that magic number. It looks like that's going to happen approximately April 21st of 2024. And and if you've been following Bitcoin for any length of time whatsoever, you know that uh, that is traditionally the start of the next, not necessarily bull run, but the next uh, euphoric phase, the next parabolic move in Bitcoin. You know, that's when you look forward to setting the new all-time highs, not on the halving date, but traditionally six months to a year or 18 months after uh, after that having date. But yeehaw, that's when things get really exciting. Speaking of exciting, Bitcoin's market cap is up substantially as well. Uh, it is currently ringing in at $585.4 billion. That is the highest Bitcoin market cap we've seen uh, in probably about a year as well. Obviously, because the price of Bitcoin is up, so the market cap is up. If you value your wealth in shiny yellow rocks, one Bitcoin will currently cost you 15.7 ounces of gold. That's almost an entire pound of gold. If you are a gold bug that's been thinking about getting into Bitcoin, if you've realized that Bitcoin is electronic gold and you're looking to make that move, it's getting more and more expensive. You know, last week it was only about 13 ounces of gold, only 13 one ounce gold coins to purchase just one Bitcoin. Uh, that amount is going up. You are about to get priced out of Bitcoin if you, if you dally much longer. 
And for those of you who value your wealth in pizzas, it will currently, well, one Bitcoin, pardon me, sorry about that. One, I'm having a little bit of trouble with my, uh, my, my spreadsheet and my show notes. It keeps, uh, keeps crashing on me. Uh, I'm sitting here in my studio in, well, not sunny Central Florida, the space coast of Florida. Today is uh, far from sunny. Uh, I jokingly say we've got the lightning network in full effect here. You know, traditionally, well, this is hurricane season, so traditionally in the afternoon during hurricane season, uh, we get afternoon thunder showers. But as with a lot of the United States right now, we've just had storm after storm moving across Florida uh, for more than a week now. And we've, we've had some pretty impressive lightning. So there isn't any so loud right now that it's, uh, that it's distracting me. But uh, if you hear any loud bangs in the background, that's probably what that is. Uh, but I digress. One Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,687 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. That is a heck of a lot of pizza. That's more than 200. In fact, that's 210 more pizzas than one Bitcoin would have purchased you just two years ago correction, just two weeks ago. Uh, and anyway, you slice it, no pun intended. Uh, that is a heck of a lot of pizza. The mempool is looking a little more clear. It is nowhere near the, uh, is nowhere near zero blocks pending the mempool that, the, that, uh, running bet between Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell is, uh, nowhere near getting settled yet. Although it is down substantially two weeks ago, there were 69 blocks with the transactions pending in the mempool. Three weeks ago, there were 92 blocks with the transactions pending in the mempool. And right now, there are only 49 blocks worth of transactions pending in the mempool. So down significantly, although still a lot. Most of those are those tiny ordinals and description transactions. Along the lines, along those lines, if you do want to make an on-chain transaction, the fee estimators are saying it's going to take a fee of about 46 uh, Satoshis per V-byte to guarantee that transaction is included in the next block although a fee of as little as 11 sats per V-byte should uh, get that block confirmed within a day. Mempool.spaces, fee estimators, a little bit different. It's saying a high-priority transaction should only take a fee of 33 sats per V-byte, which works out to about $1.39 in uh, current U.S. dollar terms as far as a high-priority transaction goes. Of course, you know a, a, a lower-priority transaction, 11 sats per byte, uh, would be significantly less than a dollar, uh, which is still pretty cheap considering you're moving basically electronic gold anywhere in the world and it's uncensorable, uns un unconfiscatable, uh, immutable. Uh, you know, try try sending an international wire for a dollar thirty nine or Western Union or try mailing a check, you know, for a dollar thirty nine. And speaking of mempool and on-chain activity, that metric that you know I like to follow, Bitcoin's 24-hour transaction rate is currently averaging 4.12 transactions per second. That's been trending down steadily. Last week, it was 4.76 transactions per second. Before that, it was five transactions per second. Obviously, before before this whole ordinals and inscriptions hubbub kerfuffle, you know, if we got anywhere near four transactions per second, Bitcoin was absolutely screaming. Traditionally, for the, the last two years of this podcast, anytime we saw more than 3.15 transactions per second was usually an indicator of just a lot of Bitcoin activity. Uh, but with all those tiny transactions enabled by Taproot, uh, that obviously has changed that metric completely. But the fact that it's trending down, that there's only 4.12 transactions per second, 
moving through the network right now means maybe that Ordinals Inscriptions BRC20 token fad is, uh, is dying down somewhat. And speaking of on-chain activity, since we last spoke, there was a difficulty increase of 2.2% in the difficulty it takes to mine just one block. As you know, Bitcoin adjusts its mining difficulty every 2,016 blocks, which is theoretically every two weeks, with the aim of uh, establishing an average block time of 10 minutes in between blocks. And currently, blocks are averaging 10 minutes and 12 seconds between blocks. So that is why they're looking at a, a, difficulty, uh, a difficulty increase. Actually, that should be a difficulty decrease. Uh, I have no idea why they're estimating a difficult... Oh, because I read my notes wrong. That's why. We're currently 944 blocks away for the next mining difficulty adjustment. About two weeks from now, 13 days, 12... Nah, my, my notes are completely messed up on this. Let me get straight to the horse's mouth and look at this on Clark Moody's dashboard. We are currently 943 blocks away from the next difficulty adjustment, which looks like it's going to be next DCA Wednesday, Wednesday, June 28th, Elon Musk's birthday. Uh, and that's currently looking like it's going to be a substantial decrease of anywhere up to minus 2.3%. However, you know, that is still a week away, so that's subject to change. And the big elephant in the room right now is the Texas heat wave. As you know, a lot of big commercial miners are based in Texas, and they have those agreements to help balance the load that when electricity demand is high, they shut their miners off. And if you've been following the, no the news, you know that Texas is asking Texans to conserve power. So it would stand to reason that some of those miners, uh, such as Riot's uh, big mining facility in Rockdale, Texas, uh, will be coming offline. If that's the case, then, uh, then we should see you know, block times increase potentially even more, depending on how long that those, those miners are offline and what percentage of the hash rate actually ends up going offline. Um, but anyway, that's just, a, that's just a general idea of what's going on as far as hash rate goes. That's all an estimate anyway, because you know it's basically random luck whether a miner finds a block and whether they find one in one minute or in 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Sometimes you know that's just the random chance of it. So that's why Satoshi, when, they, when, he, when he wrote the Bitcoin Core Protocol, uh, adjusted the mining difficulty every 2016 blocks because the more blocks you have, the larger sample size you have, the more likely you are to get an accurate read uh, and to know whether you need to adjust the difficulty up or down without seesawing it all over the place and having huge swings up and huge swings down. Kind of like an airplane, some of the old, older autopilots would get what they called the Dutch rolls, where um, if you were holding a, a heading or an altitude, you know, the plane would go up, it would overshoot the altitude and then down and undershoot the altitude, or it would if you're if you're tracking a an airway or a heading, it would cross through the heading and then back to the heading and end up just kind of serpentining back and forth across the heading it was looking for, uh, and that's what Satoshi was trying to avoid when he when he made the block time basically every two weeks as opposed to you know chains out there that make that adjustment pretty much on the fly, uh, and therefore the it, they are just completely inconsistent. Uh, one of the things that's that's extra genius about the Bitcoin Core protocol. Real quick, thank you to those of you listening on your favorite Podcasting 2.0 app. Uh, I've been pimping Podcasting 2.0 apps since, such as Fountain or Breeze Wallet pretty much since uh, they came into existence. And one of the cool things about Podcasting 2.0 apps is you can earn sats for listening to your favorite podcasts, but you can also help support your favorite podcasts by sending them a boost or streaming them a sats per minute uh, basis 
in what's referred to as value for value. But speaking of boosts, we do have one boost, and that's from longtime supporter of the podcast, Leggy. Leggy boosted 6,000 sats and simply said, better late than never, thanks. And that's in response probably to the last episode, which um, was a- after midnight East Coast time, uh, if you're listening in the East Coast or in Europe, but uh, just barely before midnight, because where I was, because I was recording it in New Mexico, which was on Mountain Standard Time, which is two hours different than where I am in Florida right now. And uh, so thank you, Leggy, for that boost. Uh, That's always great to hear from you. And speaking of listeners, our geographic distribution of listeners has changed just a little bit since last week. It had been pretty consistent with 52% of you listening from the United States. That is unchanged. 13% of you are listening from Argentina still. So muchas gracias, amigos, in Argentina. 7% 7% of you are listening from Germany, so danke, mein Freunds in Deutschland. 4% of you are listening from Luxembourg still, that's also exactly the same, so uh, danke, or morien, mein Freunds in, in Luxembourg. And where the change is, is Canada has moved up one position to number five. It's still just 2% of our listeners from Canada, but they, they ring in at number five now instead of number six. So thank you to our friends living uh, rent-free in the attic of America, as Greg Foss likes to say. Uh, Spain ranks number six with 2% of you listening from Spain. So muchas gracias amigos en España. Venezuela comes in at number seven with 2% of our listeners. So muchas gracias amigos in Venezuela. And then uh, Colombia has slid down to number eight. Now there's still 2% of you listening from Colombia. So it's kind of a technicality. Uh, But right now Colombia is ranked number eight. So muchas gracias amigos in Colombia. And Sweden has moved up one space, ten, uh, number 10 with 1% of you. Sweden was number 10 with 1% of you last week, and there's still just 1% of our listeners, but Sweden has moved up to number 9. And for the first time in the top 10, France has moved into uh, the top 10 with 1% of you listening from France. Uh, the big change is Australia had been number 9 last week. They've dropped off completely because lurking at number 11 is Singapore with 1% of our listeners listening from Singapore. So that's really cool. I don't think I've seen Singapore anywhere near the top 10 before. So uh, so welcome to our listeners from Singapore. Thank you very much for listening. All right. So a little bit of what's going on in the news uh, this week. As you know, if you've been listening, if you haven't been living under a rock, most of the, most of the hubbub, most of the buzz this uh, last week, and probably the reason for the Bitcoin price pump, is the rumors of BlackRock getting in, uh, you know, filing, uh, rumors, the speculation, because BlackRock is uh, filing to list a Bitcoin ETF or possibly a Bitcoin trust, depending on uh, who you're listening to. Also, Deutsche Bank uh, is announced that they're going to be custodying Bitcoin. Uh, Fidelity, I believe, is getting into the Bitcoin uh, ETF business potentially as well. All of this is leading people to say, are, are, is this time different? Um, you know, is... Is this going to be different than the, uh, than the previous cycle? Are we going to break out of the, the four-year cycle finally? And if you're familiar with Betridge's law, that's the, that's the law that says any time that a headline ends in a question mark, or any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no. Uh, and I would firmly believe that this time is not going to be different. I'm not trying to be a downer. In fact, that's kind of hopeful in my, in my opinion, because... I'd like to continue purchasing Bitcoin for as cheaply as possible, as long as possible. But even if you just get down to the specifics, is this time really different? Well, no, not really, 
because last cycle, you know, we had the we had the ETF hype as well with uh, was it Vanek and 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 other people's and other 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 industries institutions that had filed to list spot Bitcoin ETFs and two cycles before that the hype was around Bitcoin futures. So it seems like you know we're doing exactly what Bitcoin always does, even when it comes to the hype with that institutional money uh, and the the FOMO around or the or the hopium around institutional money pouring into Bitcoin. So it remains to be seen. What is possibly different is I have a hard time believing that BlackRock would file for an ETF without being pretty confident that they would be approved. You know, a lot of people point out the BlackRock's track record. They've only ever been denied one time out of 500 some odd filings for ETFs. Obviously, those were ETFs in traditional assets. It wasn't something new like, you know, a Bitcoin ETF. But nonetheless, BlackRock is a huge player. They have something like 1% of the total global wealth under management. Uh, and that means a couple of things. It means they have a lot of politicians bought and paid for. You know, if BlackRock says jump, many of the politicians out there immediately respond how high. So maybe BlackRock has already smoothed the way, greased the rails, paved the way for this ETF. Or, uh, or maybe they're just flexing on the SEC. Uh, that remains to be seen. But what doesn't remain to be seen, or what, what I'm confident of, is that this time isn't necessarily any different. We're basically doing exactly what we did in 2019. If you listen to Adam Meister and you follow his 210,000 block theory, which is basically the four-year cycle theory, um, we're repeating 2019. And 2019 had its peaks and valleys. Bitcoin rocketed way up about this exact point in time during the previous cycle in 2019, and then it tanked all the way down and of course, it tanked all the way down to like 3,000 because of the virus crash. Maybe that was a black swan event. But nonetheless, you know, it didn't just go sideways for a year. It, it ramped up to, you know, over 10,000 and then dumped down to 3,000 and, and zigzagged all over the place until, until the halving, until after the halving, really, because even after the halving, it took several months for Bitcoin to get to a new all-time high. In fact, the halving, you know, was in the spring of, of uh, 2020, and we didn't set a new all-time high until... December of 2020. Also in the news were uh, Apple basically has been uh, flexing, exerting its exerting its power over over a couple of popular apps, not the least controversial, which is Domus over their Zaps, which is basically tipping using the Lightning Network. Uh, you know, Apple has the policy that they don't allow in-app purchases unless they go through the Apple Store because Apple wants a 30% cut of any money spent on an app, and they're claiming that tipping somebody is purchasing a digital asset or a digital good. Um, and obviously that's bunk. You're not buying anything when you tip somebody for content. But they've also gone after the, you know, the Zeus app, which lets you manage your Lightning node, and, I, and allegedly they're going after the Fold app as well. Uh, so uh, it, it remains to be seen whether... Apple is just being greedy and, and, and trying, to, trying to make a cash grab on these companies, or if maybe they're bowing to pressure from the administration, which has been aggressively anti-Bitcoin. Uh, we do know that the administration had influenced, exerted a tremendous amount of influence over apps such as Twitter, you know, big tech companies, uh, for example. So it would not surprise me that somebody, if somebody in the administration reached out to Apple and said, hey, crack down on Bitcoin apps, and, and, and they were doing so. Uh, who knows? It remains to be seen, and of course, I think all that's going to do in the long run is damage Apple. I'm recording this podcast on an Apple iPhone as we speak. I am an Apple user. 
not because I prefer Apple over Android. I actually, there are many, many, many things I don't like about Apple. So, you know, Apple, if you delete my Domus app, my Zeus app and my Fold app, you know, you're just going to convince me to go back to a, you know, to um, an Android. And that will, uh, I'm sure I'm not the only one. So I think that's going to, that'll ultimately either backfire on Apple or remember when Apple had banned Bitcoin wallets for the longest time and they eventually caved because, you know, while they do take, you know, while they do, while while they are beholden to, uh, while they are beholden to the administration and while they may be acting in a manner that's greedy and wanting money, uh, they're also greedy about not wanting to lose customers. And these iPhones are really expensive, super overpriced. It's one of the many things I don't like about Apple, their prestige pricing. So uh, if if people start bailing out of uh, out of iPhones, uh, we'll see them change their, their minds really quick. Not exactly having to do with Bitcoin per se, although kind of. Uh, this actually happened in April, but it's just now starting to make waves. The Supreme Court basically made a ruling where they said that uh, they limited the power of administrative law judges, administrative law judges, and this had to do with the SEC and the uh, at the SEC uh, specifically, that these federal agencies have what are called administrative law judges. And these are not judges, they're basically hearing officers. Uh, every agency has them. In fact, one of the things that you'll see people talk about when they talk about Bitcoin and seizure resistance are, you know, the stories where people are traveling with their life savings for example, the one person that was flying somewhere to purchase a truck for his small business had like $40,000 of cash with them and they seized it just because traveling with money, according to the government, is probable cause that you're breaking the law. Well, that's an administrative law judge that, that does these seizure hearings. Uh, and administrative law judges have basically uh, dictated policy in this country for a long time. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, EPA regulations and a lot of the a lot of the, you know, a lot of things the SEC does or allows or doesn't allow are not necessarily, you know, authorized by, well, they're not constitutional at all because the Congress hasn't, hasn't said, you know, the Congress is responsible for writing laws and they haven't, they haven't written a law. These uh, administrative law judges are issuing findings and interpreting, interpreting their agency's uh, guidance to basically de facto establish law. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. And they said that specifically with respect to the SEC, but this is going to reverberate throughout every branch of the federal government because, like I said, administrative law judges are in every federal agency, and they are ba- they've basically been creating law. Uh, and they're they're not only are they not legislators, not only are they not responsible elected elect, elected officials, uh, you know, held uh, directly responsible by the voters. But they're not even real judges, you know. The, the administrative law judge at one of the police departments I'm familiar with was basically an officer that was assigned to the court that was conducting hearings for seizures. Like, you know, if you were pulled over and uh, arrested for whatever and they, and they found money in your car or they wanted to seize your car or whatever property, it was just, it was an officer of the court, an officer assigned to the court that was, that was hearing, that was conducting the hearings and making these decisions. So... You know, not even a not even a lawyer, not even a judge, let alone uh, let let alone an elected official. One other thing that I wanted to talk about was on one of the podcasts yesterday or the other day they were they were talking about ETFs and why ETFs are important. And the phrase that I the the phrase that 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 hackled that raised my that hackled my feathers that uh, that got under my skin was the quote: "Nobody over fifty is going to invest in Bitcoin." BS. 
and once again, you know, I'm not, I'm not a boomer and I'm, I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, you know, angry man yelling at the cloud type thing going on here. But I want to remind you that, you know, Adam Back is over 50. Hal Finney would have been over 50. Satoshi Nakamoto is probably over 50. A lot of the Bitcoin OGs are over 50. Greg Foss is over 50. Michael Saylor is over 50. All of these people are capable of grokking Bitcoin. The over 50 crowd that would be potentially buying Bitcoin through ETS because they just don't understand the technology or they're not comfortable buying and holding Bitcoin directly don't want exposure to Bitcoin either. And it's not because they don't know how to program a VCR, dating myself, not knowing how to, you know, uh, buy and custody Bitcoin or how to how to set up a, a node or, or create the entropy on a cold card or whatever. The point being, the people that are really close to retirement, obviously, any investment advisor out there tells people, and this is not an investment advice, I'm not an investment advisor, tells people that when you're really young, you can be super aggressive, you can take more risks with your, retire- with your retirement funds. But when you're older and you're closer to retirement, you might need that money next year or the year after that. You don't have a 10 or 20 year time frame, So they're just more cautious in- with their investments in general. The reason they're not into Bitcoin is because they've already got their retirement planned out. They know what their budget is and they're just a couple of years away. They might not have a cycle to wait. They can't take, you know, the the huge volatility, the price swings, because that might make the difference between being able to eat or not, or be able to go to the dentist or or not. And so it has nothing to do with the fact that they can't grok it, uh, and everything to do with the fact that they're just more cautious with their investments. So it doesn't matter whether they're buying and holding Bitcoin in their hardware wallet or whether they'd be buying it in an ETF. Uh, if they need the money and they've plotted out their retirement and they know how much money they've got and they know how much money it's going to take each year to survive through retirement, uh, they're not going to be investing in something as volatile as Bitcoin currently is. Maybe one day during hyper-Bitcoinization, obviously none of that will matter because as Bitcoin becomes adopted as the global reserve currency, it'll be necessarily more stable. But the argument that we need an ETF because nobody over 50 is going to invest in Bitcoin without an ETF is just complete bullshit. Pardon my French. Last but not least, uh, Janet Yellen was out there making stupid statement after stupid statement, and you probably heard her say something along the lines that America should prepare for a transition away from the dollar as a global reserve currency. I believe even Jerome Powell mentioned a couple months ago that uh, that there was we were entering a world where there are going to be multiple global reserve currencies besides just the U.S. dollar. Obviously, this is true as Bitcoiners. We know this is true as Bitcoiners. We know that people are moving away from the U.S. dollar, that they should be moving away from fiat, and that fiat in general usually has about a 50-year lifespan, and the U.S. dollar is you know, over 50 years old, so its time has come. But the Treasury Secretary doesn't ever admit to that. The, you know, the chairman of the Federal Reserve doesn't ever admit to that. The fact that they are admitting to this, remember, they didn't even admit we were going to have inflation and, until after we had it. And then when we had it, they said it was transitory or that it was a good thing. You know, they're, they, politicians just lie to you, especially when it comes to something that they're responsible for, or that they have dominion over, that they have control over. If they're doing a bad job, they always tell you that they're doing a great job. Everything's coming up roses. So the fact that Janet Yellen is telling us that Americans should prepare for a transition away from the dollar as the global reserve currency... Uh, should be setting off red flags and alarms to anybody that still uh, that still values their wealth in fiat. All right, so back to why we're here, and that's because today is DCA Wednesday. 
What is DCA Wednesday, you might ask? Well, DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this will be our 100th stack. That's amazing, isn't it? 100 stacks. It's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to believe, but we started stacking $20 every Wednesday all the way back on July 28, 2021. So far, we've stacked 99 times. We've stacked a total of $1,980, including $44.55 in fees. And that has earned us a stack of 6,885,479 sats. And for the first time in a long time, we're not underwater on that stack because our average cost basis is $28,756.17. And that is cheaper than the current price of Bitcoin in US dollar terms. But the reason I am extra excited about this is because just yesterday, one of the trending posts on Reddit, on the r slash Bitcoin Reddit, was someone who said that they had a goal they had set for themselves of owning a third of a Bitcoin. I think it might even just been 03 Bitcoin, which is almost a third. And they were worried that it was with the price of Bitcoin going up that they'd never achieve their goal. And I think we've already proven, you know, we haven't stacked a third of a Bitcoin, but we're only stacking $20 a week. And in just two years of stacking consistently, we've stacked, you know, almost 7 million sats. So they're talking 30 million sats, but still, you know, four times more, if they'd been stacking $80 a month, they'd be there already. uh, Because you know, some of the stacks were substantially cheaper than what we're going to stack at today. So I think we've already shown that even if you only have $20 a little, well, we've definitely shown that even if you had only as little as $20 a week to convert from fiat into Bitcoin, uh, you would have already amassed what could potentially be a life-changing amount of money one day. You know, if if, uh, if Bitcoin ever hit, a, you know, a million dollars per Bitcoin or higher, you know, there's people out saying out there forecasting trillion-dollar Bitcoin, but, you know, just for fun, let's say our moon is $1 million Bitcoin. That'd be a stack worth $68,000, uh, more than $68,000, which it's hard to say would not be a life-changing amount of money to the majority of the people in the world. Uh, even to a lot of, even to most Americans, $68,000 is a lot of money, especially in a country where they say the average person doesn't even have $500 US in their savings account. But I digress. To, di- to make today's stack, stack 100, as usual, as we've done all 100 times, we're going to use the handy-dandy Cash App. And Cash App is not a sponsor of the show. I cannot emphasize that enough. We do have a referral code in the show notes. Everyone who uses the Cash App has a referral code. I list it in the show notes because if you don't have Cash App and you want to use Cash App, if you click on that link and sign up for Cash App using that link and following their terms of service, uh, you'll get $5 free for doing so. And you will also be tipping the podcast $5 for doing so. So you can help support the podcast, get paid to do so. Um, but you do you. Cash App might not even be available where you're at. And it's certainly not the best app for everybody. So pick an app that you feel comfortable with. And uh, if you choose to use Cash App, please consider clicking on that referral link to do so. So I already have $20 in the Cash App because somebody owed me 20 bucks and, and paid me back. So I'm going to click Bitcoin, buy, enter $20, click confirm, and normally I say boom, but it's more like boom. We only purchased 64,901 sats. That is the lowest number of sats we've stacked in, I'm scrolling back, in over a year. The last time we purchased 
Bitcoin this expensive. The last time we purchased Bitcoin for over $30,000 US dollar was back on May 4th of 2022, more than a year and a month ago. Um, and that's kind of depressing because the other thing it means is we're actually going to increase our average cost basis for the first time in a long time. So that purchase of 64,901 sats brings our total stack up to 6.9 million sats. That's 6,950,380 sats. It does raise our average purchase price to $28,775.41, $19.24 more than our average cost basis was before today's purchase. That is sad, but still a heck of a lot cheaper than when Bitcoin recaptures its previous all-time high. Obviously already cheaper than the current purchase price. Um, and again, if Bitcoin does go to a million dollars, that 6.9 million sats will be worth $69,503.80. Even if Bitcoin just sets a new all-time high at 100000 that means the 2000 US dollars we've converted into Bitcoin will be worth almost $7,000. Six thousand nine hundred fifty dollars and thirty-eight sats, thirty-eight cents, sats, cents to be, uh, to be precise. Real quick, I want to ask those of you that are using Twitter, Twitter users, to follow us on Twitter. We don't have that many Twitter subscribers on our Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast Twitter, uh, Twitter account. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod, at BTC Bulletin Pod. And the more people that subscribe to us on Twitter, the more likely our tweets will get featured on people's feeds, the more likely people will find out about the podcast, and the more people we will hopefully help Orange Pill, the more people like that guy on Reddit asking if it's too late. Folks, you're never too late. Even if Bitcoin becomes the global reserve currency, you'll still want to get into Bitcoin, even if you're just transferring your fiat at a one-to-one ratio into Bitcoin with no appreciation, uh, you know, that will be, you won't be late. And, you know, even with millions of people using Bitcoin, there are plenty more people out there every day just discovering Bitcoin for the first time, not even including the, you know, the holy grail of that institutional money that people are chattering about uh, particularly loudly right now. But if you want to help increase your value of Bitcoin, then help spread the word, help Orange Hill people and help us do that by following us on Twitter. Again, it's at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. Also, I'd like to hear from you. I want to know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like about the podcast. So send me a DM. DM me at, at BTC Bulletin Pod. Let me know what you think. Of course, you can also tip us via Twitter. Uh, or if you're listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, you can send us a boostergram and let us know what you think about the podcast. As usual, providing it's not a you know a shill or something obscene, we read our boosts on you know on on the on the, the following episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. Um, if you don't use Twitter, we are on Noster. And if you're not on Twitter or Noster, you can send me an email. My email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. I just like to hear from you. But either way, do not forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday while we grow that stack together. Thank you for stacking with us 100 times now. We're closing in on two years of stacking together. Uh, I believe it was July 28th, I said. So we're just a little over a month away from our two-year anniversary Of course, our first episode was not a DCA Wednesday, so our two-year anniversary of the podcast is coming up even sooner than that. But two years of stacking uh, went by really fast. So if you're one of those people that thinks you're too late, uh, if you you just get off a zero and just start putting away sats, 
And, and before you know it, you'll be in the same place we are when those sats have added up remarkably quickly and two years have blown right by. Uh, and, you know, we're still before the halving. So, you know, they say the best time to get into Bitcoin is 10 years ago, but the next best time is right now. And the best time has always historically been before the halving because, you know, if you, if you, anything you, anything you convert before the halving, uh, you're getting in before the new all-time high. And traditionally after the Bitcoin sets, it's new all-time high. That price never really goes back to where it was before the halving. So again, not, not, not financial advice, not investment advice. You do you. But hopefully you've been enjoying listening to us and following along our, on our journey. If you are stacking, great. If you're not stacking, uh, well, you know, have fun staying poor, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of, but not really. Either way, thanks for listening, and we will see you next Wednesday for the next DCA, episode, DCA Wednesday episode. But until that time, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>